Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. Um, so the last time we were together, which was two weeks ago, we started a brand new series called The Giving Church. And as I mentioned that first Sunday, we're not talking about money because typically when we hear the word giving, we merely think, oh, he's talking about money. No, we're not talking about money. What we are talking about is generosity. And in being generous, how you and I emulate the heart of our Heavenly Father. How many of you would agree with me, with me this morning that God is a generous God? Everything God does for us, God does not do half-heartedly. He does not do um, without giving all of himself into it. And so in the same way as our Heavenly Father is generous, so the scriptures remind us over and over that you and I are called to emulate God's generous heart as well. Now, um, the, 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 the crux of, of this series really is this idea that while whenever we talk about giving, the tendency is to focus on what we receive from God, when we talk about our relationship, our relationship with God, our, our walk with the Lord, that God's focus is for us to always reflect Him. God's desire is that you and I are reflecting His image, thank you. that we're reflecting His image, that we're reflecting Him in our character, in, in our, our choices and our decisions. God's desire, brother and sister, is that you and I look like Him, that you and I reflect Him, that in the same way as we would say of, uh, of earthly parents in, re in relation to their children, oh, you look like your father, you look like your mother, that when people see us, again, not that they're saying we are God, but that they say, I see the influence of Christ in your life. I see that you have a relationship with Jesus, that he has made a difference in your life. Again, I've mentioned this many times before, I'll say it again. Um, the, the, the early church was given the name Christians not because they gave themselves that name. It was the unbelievers that gave them that name. Why? Because they noticed that these individuals lived out the teachings of Christ. So in other words, it was so obvious to those around them that they were followers of Jesus that they would call them by the term Christian. So when the world looks at us, what, what, what message, what image are we presenting? Do they see Christ reflected in every one of our lives? And here's the reality. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord. If you're a baby in, the Lord, in, in, in Christ or, you're, or, or you've been walking with the Lord for many decades. The reality is every one of us, the goal ultimately is for us to become more and more like Christ. And so when we talk about um, generosity, emulating the heart of a generous God, what we're talking about is how you and I, by our actions and by our lifestyle, we demonstrate to a watching world who God is and how good God is. So in week one, we learned that the given church emulates the Father by sowing grace-filled generosity to others. And what does that mean? What we suggested is this, that in our response to people, especially people who do things that that, that hurt or that malign or, or that disadvantage us, that we recognize that God's response, God's call on our lives is not to respond the way the world says we should respond, but that we're to respond with grace, trusting God to handle the situation on our behalf and to, and to demonstrate um, His faithfulness in our lives as He works on our behalf. So, so you know, when, when people say things to you that, 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 that hurt you, when people do things to you that hurt you, and, and the flesh wants to, 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 to respond in kind and to make them feel the pain you felt, we must remember that God says our response is not to follow, is not to walk in the flesh, but to walk in, in, in a spirit of grace where we are extending to people not what they deserve, but what they don't deserve, so that God can then take that situation 
and he can use that situation to turn the heart of the person around ultimately back to him. You see, friends, grace-filled generosity is ultimately about offering Jesus to someone. That when a person offers you that which does not benefit you, that you response offer them Christ. And in offering them Christ, you're giving them the opportunity to have an encounter with God so that they too might come to know the Lord as well. Today, in week number two, we're going to focus on another aspect of, of how we as the church have been called by our Heavenly Father to emulate His generous heart. And that is by showing benevolent, everybody say benevolent. Benevolent generosity. There is a kind of generosity God wants us to show to others that must be benevolent. Now, here's something that you need to you need to understand this morning. Some people may see that statement on the screen and think, well, Pastor John, benevolence and generosity are the same things. No, they're not. One refers to an attitude, the other refers to actions. So the word generosity is actually an action. It's a, it's a word that refers to an act. But the word benevolence refers to an attitude. It is the attitude that drives the action. God's response to you and I when He gives, when He does whatever it is He does to us is, is motivated by a, a, a spirit of benevolence. God is, when we say God is generous, we're not saying God just gives the bare minimum or that God does the bare minimum. He does over and above. And again, it's not because we've earned it or we deserve it or we have a right to it, but because that's who He is. And because that's who He is, He invites us to be the same toward others. That we are driven, our, our motivation in, in giving to others, in blessing others, is because we recognize that God has been benevolent in our lives. And for me, the perfect example, well, let me not use the word perfect because they're not perfect people, but, but a, a prime example that I often refer to in the scripture is in the book of Acts, where we read about the early church. The early church was a group of believers who, following uh, the, the, on the day of Pentecost, when the 120 were gathered in the upper room and they were praying, and the scripture says that the Holy Spirit came down and they began to speak in other languages, and as they were doing so, clearly there was a scene and it was not meant to, 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 to cause confusion or to cause chaos, but so, so dramatic was this display of the Spirit's power, His move, His presence in the lives of these believers, that people started to take notice and began to wonder, what is this that these people are saying? They're speaking in, in, in our languages, foreign languages, and they're telling us about the good things that God has done. And crowds were drawn to this spectacle, and the Scripture says that Peter... The same man who denied Jesus three times, three times that he did not know who Christ was, the night that Christ was arrested, stood before that crowd and, and, and in what can only be attributed to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in him. The Bible says Peter preached the first message that, that we, we, outside of what Christ had done in, his, when, in doing his earthly ministry, and 3,000 people. 3,000 people in one single moment, 3,000 people put their faith and trust in Christ. And the church, as we know it, was established. And these group of believers began to gather and they began to congregate and they began to spend time with one another and they began to, 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 to build, invest in each other's lives and to build one another's lives. It is in this early church we see this example of benevolent generosity. And so I want us to read our text this morning, Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to verse 37. And then I want to share with you this morning what motivated the early church's benevolence and, and how you and I can apply that to our own lives so that, again, in doing so, we are emulating the heart of a generous God. Verse 32 says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. 
but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each to the extent that had that any had need. Now Joseph, a Levi of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, owned a tract of land, and he sold that land. He brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. So again, we look at the early church and the Bible tells us that this is a, a community of believers who uh, were so um, impassioned for what Christ had done in their lives that they, they rallied around each other and they began to bless and to support and to encourage one another in the Lord. And I believe that they serve as an example of how you and I can be such a community that, that when the world looks at us, that they see amongst a group of believers that, they are, that we are people who are generous, that we are people who, who care about each other, we are people who are committed to each other's spiritual progress, but also on other aspects of our lives, that we don't just see needs and we, we look the other way and hope somebody else will address that need, but that we, our hearts are so moved to say, God, how can I be a blessing to my brother and sister? And it's not that we're doing anything because of what we we hope to get back in return, but we do it because it is an opportunity for us to emulate the heart of a generous God who has blessed us in so many ways, and we are looking forward to the opportunity to not bless somebody else. There are three characteristics I want to point out this morning that I believe that you and I can emulate from the early church. Number one, it was this, that the believers saw the church as a community to be immersed in and not just an event to attend. They saw the church, they saw the gathering of believers as a community. Everybody say community. See, community is more than just people who just happen to live in the same neighborhood. Or happen to just, you know, they go to the same store. Or they, they work in the same jobs. That's, community is so much more than the fact that you have people that are together. Community is, is, is about people who, who, who are aligned in, in the sense of they, 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 they see that they are part of something that is bigger than their individual selves. I remember when we used to live at our old house, we would have certain neighbors that you rarely ever saw them. In fact, there were some neighbors that once they pulled out of their driveway and they left, the only time you ever saw them was when they were pulling back into their driveway to close their driveway, the garage door, and then you wouldn't see them again until the next day. There are some people who live in a community, but they are not part of community. So it's, not, it's, it's more than just simply presence. But it's about being immersed into the life of those around you that you are you are engaging in community. So so I, I, I love the kind of neighbors that I know that I can I can I, you know when, when I'm outside washing my car and they're walking by and, and they stop and say hi, we can engage in small talk. And we can have conversations about, about what's going on in our lives and, and the things that we're dealing with and the struggles we're overcoming. That, that, that I can have a neighbor say, and I can say to my, my neighbor, for example, hey, Nick, I'm going to be out of town on so-and-so day. I have mail coming in. Please, can you hold that mail for me? And I can trust him that he will not take my property and do with it whatever he wants, that he will safeguard it just as if it was his own. When we are part of community, friends, we're talking about being immersed in a group of, of individuals so because we, we feel that we are aligned with, 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 we share the same purpose and values and commitments. The early church were a community. Why? Because they believed 
in the same things. They, they, they recognized the, the, the power, the grace of God that had been extended to them. And they were so grateful for this grace that had changed their lives that they were committed to being aligned with and joined to others who shared the same commitments as well. Gathering for the early church was more than just about attending a religious event, friends. It was about, about building relationships with each other. It was about being rooted in the sense of community. And so every gathering, it doesn't matter how often they met, Scripture implies that they almost probably met every single day. But, but however many times they did meet, what we discover is this, that their gatherings were for them an opportunity to engage each other and to support each other. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and I'm reading from the Good News Translation, here's what the writer says in describing this importance or the benefit of the believers assembling together. He says this, let us not give up the habit. That word habit means it's meant to be a way of life. That in the same way that, that we, we, when we wake up, it's our routine to brush our teeth, to take a shower, to, to get dressed, and then to head to the office or work or wherever it is we go. It is the same, it is a habit to maybe make coffee or what, whatever it is that is that represents a habit in your life. For the believers, the scripture says that we must make it a habit of meeting together. But, but of course, this is, he's, using, he's saying this to kind of challenge those who were not who are not embracing this opportunity to immerse themselves. He says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing, but instead let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord coming near. The purpose of the, uh, of, of the writer's um, uh, encouragement for us to come together is that we do so to do what? To encourage. Everybody say encourage. The reason the believers came together was to encourage. It wasn't to, 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 to just simply have an experience and then leave, but it was to build relationships with each other. It was to support one another. Friends, if you come to church and you leave and you don't have people that you're interacting with, you, you're not trying to meet people that you've never met before, make new friendships, friends, listen, you're missing out. I would encourage you, you know, when, when you come to, and, and this is all, we do, we, do this, we do this pretty well here at Branch Forest. I would encourage you, whenever service is over, don't be in a hurry to leave. Don't be in a hurry to leave. Listen, the football game can wait, right? Lunch can wait a few extra minutes. Be willing to, to identify somebody in the congregation that maybe you've never had a chance to interact with and you go to them and you introduce yourself to them. Why? Because this is your family. This is your brother and sister in Christ. I'm not saying they have to be your best friends, but what I am saying is this. Build relationships with people. Don't be in a hurry to leave. Let, let's immerse ourselves in this community that God has raised us, raised up for us and raised us for and allowed to be a, a blessing in our lives and immerse ourselves fully. The early church were benevolent. Why? Because they saw the church as more than just an event to come to. They came and they, they saw others as their brothers and sisters in the Lord. I am very sure that even when they were out in the community and they would see each other, it was more than just, hey, that's also goes to my church and it's a high and by. No, they would engage each other. You know, they, 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 would, they would build relationships with one another. They would spend time together. That, I believe, is the heart of God. And that, that, I believe, is what motivates us to be benevolent toward each other. But not only that, the believers focused on values that united them rather than entertain differences that divided them. And why do I say this? Because, friends, as humans, we are different. We think different. In some ways, we may have different approaches or different methods. Sometimes we even have different values. But the reality is, is that when you and I come to faith in Christ, we are all called to, to set aside 
anything about us that does not align with who Christ is. Christ becomes the common denominator for every one of us. And so while there are so many reasons or excuses for why we could be divided, friends, what we are called to do is to focus on what unites us. And what unites us is our love for Christ. And that, that because you love Jesus, I love Jesus, that I'm encouraging that love and I'm, 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 I'm stirring that love and, and I'm trusting that you're doing the same for me. The early church was so committed to building a solid and supportive community that they refused to allow differences to come between them. Now, I'll, I'll give you a contrast. The church, in, the church in Corinth, Paul had to address that so many different times because division was, was, one of the, one of, was one of their biggest struggles. In fact, in the beginning of, of, of Paul's letter, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, Paul addresses this issue of, of, of the factions that had, that had been formed in the church where there were some that were saying, I, I, I will follow Jesus. And others were saying, I'll follow Paul. I'll follow Apollos. And Paul said, did I, did I convert you to me? We are all called to follow Christ. And so... Why would we allow the things that exist to naturally create division and we give allowance to those things? The early church, you, you discovered, did not do that. They recognized that it didn't matter what their skin color was, it didn't matter what their social economic status was, it didn't matter what their history was, it didn't matter where they were from, it didn't matter where they were going. Because they were in Christ, they were committed to being one. And in the same way, I believe it's important for us, friends, that if we are to be a, a benevolent community, a benevolent people who demonstrate the generosity that God has demonstrated to us, that we prioritize not allowing the things that cause division among us to fester among us. That we're intentional about, about, about building unity, about encouraging. Now, does it mean that, that when a brother or sister do something they shouldn't do, that we look the other way for the sake of unity? No. I believe it's wrong. I believe God calls us to, what? Sharpen each other's lives. But when we do so, we do so in love. We don't do it to tear down. We don't do it to belittle. We don't do it to demean. We do it to build up. Why? Because we are committed to each other. We see ourselves as part of something that is bigger than our individual parts. And because everyone was valued in the community, everybody was cared for, supported, that bond between the believers became so strong that even when persecution broke out, notice the church did not miss a beat. The church kept growing. The church kept, the gospel kept spreading. Why? Because the believers understood that what's more important than the things that divide us is the one thing that unites us all, and it is our love for Christ. So again, when I look at this crowd, I, I, I see that, 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 that as many people as are in here represent different stories different experiences, different journeys. And I'm grateful that in spite of all of the differences among us, friends, that God brings us together under the canopy of Christ and we can love each other, we can care for one another, we can support each other, we can build each other's lives. Why? Because we all recognize what God has done for us and that we're not going to allow anything to divide, but instead we're going to focus on that which you will unite. Paul says in first Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, that we must be humble and gentle. He says with each other we must be patient. We must make allowances for each other's faults. Why? Because we will fail. We will, fail. We, we, we will do things we should not do, say things we should not say. Again, it's not to excuse them, but what Paul is saying is this. We are flawed. We are, we, 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 we are not perfect. And there are going to be things that we're going to do that we should not do. That we're, we're always going to fall short of that standard. And yet the Bible's response to us is to be patient with one another, to make allowances for each other's faults. Paul in verse 3 says, make every effort to keep yourselves united. See that word again? 
He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united, binding yourselves together with peace. He's saying to the believers, to you and me, it is our responsibility to preserve peace and unity amongst ourselves. It is our responsibility to, to ward the things that might cause division, that might cause disunity among us. Why? Because our God is not a, is not, is, God is not a chaotic God. God is, God is united. I mean, the, 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 the Trinity, God the Father, God the Holy Son, God the Holy Spirit are united. They are one. And Jesus prayed over and over that we be one as, as He and the Father are what? Are one. But we must be intentional about, about preserving unity amongst ourselves and allowing God to use us to be a blessing and encouraging to others. And here's the last point. The believers embrace generosity as an expression of gratitude for God's faithfulness. Barnabas, um, Luke refers to as one who amongst the believers was noted because he was a man of encouragement. In fact, uh, the, the, the term son of encouragement was used in reference to him. Now, a part of me, when, you, when I first read this, I thought to myself, what did this mean? The, was the reason that, that, um, that Luke refers to Barnabas, was it because Barnabas was the only person that was doing this? I don't believe so. I truly believe that the only reason that, that Barnabas was referenced was because it was important to, to identify one among so many who were, who were committed to, to investing in the body. I truly believe that, that not only was he a son of encouragement, the believers were sons and daughters of encouragement. Because the scriptures tell us that it was essentially it was not only him who, 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 who demonstrated a benevolent gener generosity. It was, he was not the only one who sold property so that others could benefit. He was not the only one who cared for others, who supported others. And so in the same way, because the early church expressed deep gratitude to God for what he had done in their lives, and they saw being generous to each other as a way to, to, to appreciate God for what he had done, so I want to challenge you, 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 every one of us this morning with, with this idea that when anything we do for each other, friends, we're not doing for our for ourselves. We're not doing it for, for someone to come and pat us on our back and say, good job, Pastor John, I, I saw what you did back then and, and I'm really... No, we do it because we are grateful for what God has done for us. Growing up, my parents would always tell us that, that you can never thank a person enough. And my parents practiced this. I mean, a week after somebody had done something for them, they would still be thanking them for what they had done. And, and, and it, was this, it, was, it was this idea not only to express gratitude to the one who has done for you, but that you, you, you learn to pay it forward, that, that as God has blessed you through others, that you also be a blessing to others. I believe that the early church were so committed to being generous. Why? Because they recognized God has been so generous to us. God has been so good to us. God has been so kind to us. And so their hearts overflowed with a desire to reciprocate God's immense love and kindness by giving back to others. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 4 and 5, referenced a church, a group of believers, who he said, when they discovered the need that existed for him as a minister, that they begged, they literally begged Paul to be a part of what God was doing through him. In verse 4, he says, They begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints, and not just as we had hoped, but instead they gave themselves first to God and then to us by God's will. What was Paul saying here? Well, Paul was saying the motivation for the generosity of these group of believers was their gratitude for what God had done for them. 
Everything that we do to others, friends, must be in response to what God has done for us. It should never be about what we benefit or we stand to gain from it. Because if that's the case, then we're not being generous. We're simply trying to take advantage. God calls us to be generous. And generosity says, I will invest in you, I will pour into you, I will bless you with no expectation of anything in return. Why? Because the one who has blessed me has, has done more for me than you could ever do in, 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 in response to what I do for you. So I don't look to you to respond, and that's not my motivation. I, I, I do what I do because God has done much for me. So, and, and, and think about this, Paul is not simply referring to our response to each other as believers. I believe that Paul's heart is, is to say this, that we are called to be generous no matter who it is we are around. Whether they're a believer or they're an unbeliever, we are called to be generous to whomever we are around. Why? Because again, generosity to others is about demonstrating the one who has been generous to us. So again, you look at the early church, you discover that these are people who were so committed to being benevolent. Why? Because they knew, God, you've done so much for us. God, you've been so good to me. God, you've been so faithful to me. God, you have forgiven me of much. God, you've extended grace to me in ways that I never, never, ever thought I, I could ever have your grace available. And that grace has changed my life. Generosity, friends, was a core value of the early church. And that's why they were able to be the way that they were. And if you and I are to emulate the heart of a, of a generous God, friends, generosity must be a core value of ours as well. We don't give for what we get. We don't give for what we will gain. But we give because we want others to know that we have received much from a good God. And because we have received much, every opportunity that we get to be a conduit through which He can demonstrate the same to others, we want that to be a part of our lives. That's what the early church was about. And I believe that's what God is calling every single one of us to be about today. God wants us to emulate Him. He wants us to reflect Him. And the greatest way we do so is by a life of benevolent generosity. Where we say, God, I have received much. God, pour out much more through my life so that others can know you. I want to invite you to buy your heads with me this morning as we pray. And as I was preparing this message, I'll be honest with you this morning, you know, there were, there were aspects of this message that brought conviction because I had to search my own heart and say, God, where, 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 where are those areas in my life where maybe my generosity is not aligned with what your word teaches that it, that it must be about, where maybe I've done good because of what I was going to gain, and, and I've had to repent and say, God, forgive me for the times where... In being generous, I was not emulating your heart. And I think it's important for us to also do the same, where we say, God, search my heart. If there's anything that I'm saying that I'm doing, anything that I, any act on my part that, that maybe on the surface it looks like I'm being generous, but the motivation behind it is, is far, far, far from what your heart is. God, help me, help me to, to, to emulate you and, and to, to respond to others the way you want me to, so that in, in doing so, I am, I am offering you to them. And so I want to pray this morning that God would help us to not just see generosity as something that we talk about, but as something that we are committed to practicing. And that God will give us wisdom, God will give us grace, God will give us the strength to be a, a, a people who are generous. So that again, those around us, when, they re, when, they re, when they're on the receiving end of our generosity, that more than anything, what they see is Christ in us. 
So would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning, God, for the opportunity that we have. Lord, having, Lord, been looking at the early church and what made them the way that they were and recognizing, Lord, how much you desire, Lord, that we would emulate their example of benevolent generosity to others. God, I admit, Lord, that generosity is not natural to the flesh. The flesh is focused on itself. The flesh focuses on satisfying its own desires and appetites, Lord. And, and Lord, typically for our flesh, the last thing in its mind, Lord, is to give of ourselves for the benefit of others. But God, thank you. Thank you that you teach us through our knowledge of Christ what it means to uh, walk in generosity. Why? Because, God, we've been recipients of great generosity from you. You have done so much for us, Lord, and you continue to do so much for us, Father. And God, the only way we can best respond to what you have done is by being the same for others. And so this morning I ask you, help us, Lord, to be a generous people. Help us, Lord, to be a people who are committed, Lord, to uh, this community that you've called us to be a part, and we see ourselves as part of this, this, this great community of faith, and we are committed, Lord, to investing ourselves in each other. Why? Because we recognize that we are part of something that is bigger than our individual selves. God, help us, Lord, to be people who recognize that, that Lord, every, everything we do, God, is in response to what you've done for us. That, that God, giving, Father God, is an opportunity for us to, to say thank you, Father, for giving me so much. God, I pray that you help us, Lord, to be people who are committed, Lord, to living lives of generosity. And God, when we leave this place and we are out in our communities, Father, that God, you will help us, Lord, to, to see, God, our surroundings in a different way, to see our neighbors in a different way, to see our co-workers in a different way, to see our classmates in a different way, the people that we run across on a day-to-day -day basis, to see them in a different way. Why? Because we are choosing to see them through your eyes. We're choosing to see them, Father, as people who, are, who can be recipients of, of your grace, your goodness, your love. And that, God, we, we might perhaps, Father God, be a channel, whether it be through a, a momentary word or, or God, even, even speaking, Father, into their lives, uh, an act of kindness, Father God, uh, uh, something that is said or done, God, to just be a blessing to another. God, I pray that whatever, whatever form it may come, Lord, help us, Lord, be focused on giving, giving them Jesus I'm, I'm presenting to them uh, uh, an example, God, of, of, of a Heavenly Father who truly loves them and cares deeply about them. God, thank you this morning that, that Lord, you, you, you allow us, Lord, to, to, to be about th this work that you are doing in our world, God. And, and that, God, we get to, 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 to watch, Lord, the, the impact of our obedience and the lives of others around us, Lord. Even as, Lord, you continue to work in us, Lord, to help us become more and more like your Son, Jesus. God, teach us, Lord, to be generous people. And God, may our lives continue, God, to bring glory to your holy name. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.